happy Friday, everyone. Uh, Friday, January 27th. Uh, uh, um, now of work meetup 140. Uh, so really, really excited you guys are here. Have some things to talk about um, as we get started. Bryce, uh, start with Bryce. Bryce, mm -hmm. one of our great community members, is uh, in a hospital bed watching this. So Bryce, I hope you're Bryce. hope you're feeling better. And it sounds like he may get uh, sent home tomorrow, which is great. Um, the um, the, uh, Jess came into the green room where I was and I was playing that song. She's like, um, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. Like, it was just the song that popped up. So uh, yeah, there was definitely nothing, uh, nothing. I mean, it's kind of a cool song, right? For a Friday, like, we're all too legit to quit. We're all here, et cetera, et cetera. 2,789 people. So, uh, yeah, thanks for making sure. I'm not sure who the old timers are Leo's talking about there. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, you do need a disco ball, Leo. Um, and what did Mike say? A song made in another era when a lot of people were wearing pants that were really comfortable. What were those pants called? The the bell bottoms? No, no. What were MC Hammer's pants called? Somebody will help me. I'm Is not even going No, they're like parachute pants. Ah, oh, thank well, you. <laughs> me, I'm like naming all this weird crap. No one knows what I'm talking about. Okay, but you do remember Zumba's. Yes, I do. I don't know if anyone else remembers Zubas. That's another age thing. Oh, wow. Or everyone, yes. Everyone got them. Yes. Um, so um, happy Friday, everyone. I hope everyone's had a uh, great week. We have an action-packed uh, um, meetup today. Um, but let's get started. Jess, anything you want to talk about? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a week, Jason. Maybe I'll share with this beautiful community after I'm done processing. I'm having a week, as we all have sometimes. Um, um, well, we're here if you need anything. We're here. Yeah. <laughs> we're here. Sometimes yeah. just getting to where you're supposed to be and doing uh, what you need to do in the moment is uh, is incredible. Your nails look good, if it means anything. Do they? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, for me, it's been kind of a crazy week. Um, lots and lots and lots of work in the, um, I don't even know what to call it. I guess I'll call it the new normal, um, which is organizations truly, truly thinking about um how do they prioritize? Um, so, you know, there's a lot of organizations that are uh, strapped a little bit for money, strapped a little bit for resources, strapped a little bit for brain power, um, et cetera, et cetera. Watching, you know, some of the financial signs going on and, and really thinking about how do we prioritize and make decisions. So, um, um, yeah, I, Jess, I don't want to downplay your thing, but skipping on from what you're going with, um, which you asked me to, um, the, uh, um, my week's been doing, working with a lot of prioritization and really getting ready for, um, a big event that we do at leap gen every year. It's called fuel. Um, Jess and I are actually doing a meetup as part of fuel. The only way, by the way, that y'all can see that meetup is if you register for fuel. So, um, please, if you haven't registered, click on that glean, glean, uh, green button. Uh, that meetup's going to be on a different platform where we're going to get to see some different faces and things like that. So hopefully you guys um, can join. 
we have so many amazing, uh, we have 12 sessions and we have really cool, we have four universities that are sending all of their students that are in the HR tech, digital HR program to the events next week as well. So uh, you're gonna get a chance to meet a lot of people. Uh, you're gonna get a chance to interact with lots of people. You'll probably hear some questions in there where people are gonna be like, uh, how do you spell HR or what's Microsoft? Um, I'm so excited for one of our sessions, which we're not gonna highlight today, but we have a live conversation with ChatGPT. I can't uh, believe we have a robot as a panelist. It's not a robot. It's assisted intelligence, Jess, mm -hmm. uh, where ChatGPT is going to be talking about the HR technology space and digital HR with none other than Jim Hollinchek, which, by the way, just if you actually take Jim Hollinchek and right. ChatGPT and Kyle Holiday, the three people that are going to be on that panel, that's going to be a session to to not miss. So please. I mean, get here's some context. If you don't already know what an incredible analyst brain is, Jim Hollinchek, you should also know he builds like legitimate physical robots in his spare time. <laughs> so the fact that he's playing with a bot, bot, uh, with Kyle, I I've seen some of their back end experimentation and stuff. It's really really cool. Wherever yeah. you are on chat GPT, this session is a cool exploratory uh, session for sure. And I actually think you're going to get to hear one of the first ever chat GPT raps. Well, actually, I know <laughs> the, the first ever chat GPT rap about HR technology. Uh, and I thought I would just start by playing just a little bit of it, Jess. Stop. No, just a little. <laughs> Everyone listen. That's just a hint. But well, I didn't hear anything. You didn't hear it? No. Oh, I'm so sorry. I played the whole thing. Oh, my God. I'll have to figure out how to do it. Sorry that didn't come through. Um, Crickets. <laughs> wow. I thought you were building anticipation that whole time. Now I'm embarrassed. Uh, <laughs> well, now I'm going to, now let me see if I can do it. Now that I started. Okay, one more time. We're a patient bunch. Let me see if I can do we it. like being um, together. Can you hear this? Heck, it's the wave. Gotta keep up with the pace. Yeah. Gotta automate, gotta innovate, gotta streamline, gotta elevate. Gotta make sure the onboarding is smooth. Gotta make sure the benefits are on point. That's the move. Gotta make sure the payroll is on time. Gotta make sure the performance evaluations are on point. That's the grind. HR tech, it's the wave. Gotta keep up with the pace. Gotta automate, gotta innovate, gotta streamline, gotta elevate. HR tech, it's the wave, it's the wave. Got to keep up with the pace, it's the wave. Okay, then. <laughs> There's a little of the, you, if you ask ChatGPT to create a rap, that's the first rap that, uh, that uh, ChatGPT creates for HR tech. Incredible. Can, have we gone public with this yet? No, 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 no. Okay, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, don't miss that session. It's going to be a ton of fun. Um, amazing to see where uh, artificial intelligence uh, is taking us. Um, Jessica, I can actually make it something else. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll work on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Leah. Hi, Leah. Uh, good to see you. Back. Uh, okay. So uh, for, is anyone new here? Let us know if you guys are new. Um, we always start this way. Anyone new uh, to the meetup? Um, we've been doing this, like I said, 140 uh, weeks in a row on Fridays turns into a podcast. We're approaching the million listener mark. 
just the million hey. mark to our podcast, which is crazy. Uh, hey, Rebecca, good to see you. Uh, let us know where you're uh, joining from, what city, state, country, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and we always give people an opportunity to put their addresses here on LinkedIn or their LinkedIn uh, address in so people can connect. So please do that as well. Um, we always start, Rebecca, with the same question, um, really important question, three words. Um, oh, South Lake Tahoe. I was just talking to someone in Lake Tahoe earlier this morning. Um, Heidi Spierge, some of you may know, an old friend of mine. Uh, she's had plenty of snow in Lake Tahoe. Her uh, pictures look like Hallmark cards. Yeah, yeah. She's been having a great, uh, great um, winter. But um, I always ask these three questions. Um, how are you? How are you? One of the most important questions to ask. Um, and there's three answers, green, yellow, or red. Green, feeling great today. Yellow, so-so. Red, meh, not so good. And, um, you know, once again, this is an opportunity for you to be honest with yourself, which is the first step to understanding yourself. Um, it's a chance for us to understand who may need support in our community. Um, and it's a chance for you to reach out. We have lots of greens, uh, which are great. Um, one of the reasons we started doing this is when people say, how can you check in on your workforce? Not check up on your workforce, but check in on your workforce. This is one of the simplest ways, okay? And it doesn't mean that it has to go to HR. It doesn't have to go through a bunch of analysis. But, you know, I can look at this and I can say, Kendra's green. And, you know, drill into Kendra and say, I'm glad you're green. I can say, Heidi M's yellowish. And Sarah's yellowish. And, you know, our goal for the next 48 minutes is to turn you guys and John from and Steve and Marissa <laughs> a little more from yellow to green just by having some fun, hopefully making you smile, playing stupid raps, playing stupid songs. Um, you know, Suzanne, hopefully the same thing. Um, but really, really want this community to be about care. And Jess and I, in the, the fuel session, once again, if you haven't registered, please do, because you're not going to get there. You're not going to get notified the same way you usually do. That's what we're going to talk about a lot on Tuesday, uh, the 31st, is care. So today, we have amazing topics. We're going to do a lot, um, which is going to be a feat to get everyone in. But we're lucky enough to have... Um, a number of the presenters, a number of the presenters that are part of Fuel going to come in and talk about their sessions that they're doing and the impact that those sessions are having on the world. Uh, the first one we're going to talk about is this concept of go begin. And this is something that I don't know who came up with it. Maybe it was me or maybe I copied it from someone. But go live, it drove me crazy. I was like, can we please change everything to go begin? because we really have to focus on continuous innovation. So how do we shift our mindset from go live to go begin? Second, we're gonna talk about how do we design services and service delivery in today's complex world where we don't even know where people are. They could be working here, they could be working there, they could be in an office. One day we're being told to go to an office, one day we're told not to go to an office. How do we deliver services in a way that meets people where they are? And then lastly, we're gonna talk about change and change. We're lucky enough to have two customers on today as well. Uh, one from McCarthy Construction, which is one of the biggest construction companies in the world doing massive projects, and one from Vail Resorts. Uh, some of you are familiar with uh, Vail Resorts. Skiing sounds good right now. Um, so uh, those two organizations are going to join us and talk a little as they'll be presenting next week. 
So just as I work to get everyone on, maybe you can talk a little about why we started Fuel. Um, yeah. The other thing I'm just going to say is you guys, sorry, Jess, is if you if you are already registered, awesome. If you guys could take one second today and send the link to someone else, we're trying to make these sessions as interactive and big as possible. You know, we've got 500, 600 plus people already registered, but the more the better. So please send that link on to others um, as well. So Jess, while I invite our first group on, uh, I'll let you take over for a second. Yeah, I mean, this is the third consecutive year we've um, we've provided this event and this experience. It's really important to us. I think every year we ask ourselves the question all over again, is this worthwhile? Should we pour our time and energy into doing this? <clears throat> it's a lot of um, educating and teaching. I mean, we're consultants, right? We work with organizations on their own unique strategies and priorities and transformation journeys. There's Rachel. Um, but teaching one to many is something you really have to make time to do. And that's something that we've decided year over year, it's important for us to make time to do because we can't change the industry. Well, we can one at a time, one to one, one to one. We can have a lot more impact if we teach um, some of these concepts like Go Begin. Uh, so thank you so much for joining us, you two. And I would say we're also pretty intentional about the topics we cover every single year. What do we think is the learning, the concept that will help people take the next step toward impact? Jason, thank you so much for being with us, along with Rachel. Happy to join. So, Jason, we have to start with you. <laughs> and just so I can so I can work behind the scenes, what's your favorite song? What's Ooh. the song that would send you off on Friday feeling great? Favorite song. So I'm a huge John Mellencamp fan. I actually went to high school with his his daughter. So I do uh, Jack and Diane. Oh, I love these stories. Thanks for sharing that. So Rachel, I would love for you to talk a little about the session and what you guys are going to be talking about on uh, next week. Yeah, awesome. Thank you guys. It's um, it's great to be on. Um, so this is kind of a full circle moment for me uh, when I joined LeapGen. Coming up on two years ago, McCarthy was actually the first client that I had. Um, so now to be presenting with them feels like a real coming coming of age story. Um, so it's really exciting um, for us to have seen the progress that we've done with this program. Um, Jason will get a little bit more into this a little uh, down the line, but we implemented success factors with McCarthy uh, back in October of 2021. Um, and since then, we've really been able to optimize, grow that program and actually get real tangible results by focusing on the things that really people wanted in the system. Um, I think that's one of the biggest takeaways is we built what people wanted. Um, we at LeapGen talk a lot about minimal viable products versus minimal lovable products. And no one's going to use your viable product. They're going to use your lovable product. And I think that's really what we built with McCarthy. Oh, Jason, you muted. Sorry, I did put a polling question in the polls for those of you. Uh, <laughs> so please go ahead and fill out your poll as well, just because I'm very curious to get everyone's thoughts. Um, <laughs> I, I always love Rachel. It makes me feel like <laughs> I love the background. But uh, Jason, maybe you can talk a little about your role at McCarthy and, uh, you know, kind of that whole concept of not just focusing on go live, but go begin. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Um, so I'm director of HR operations for McCarthy Construction. So I'm in a corporate role, have a lot of centralized HR functions. Um, for example, all HR 
IS or IT, uh, HR policies, HR service center, HR programs like corporate relocation, everything. And a lot of uh, my time, I focus on the, um, HRIS um, strategy and lead is a fantastic partner from a strategy and helping us with that continual roadmap and the the concept you're talking about, Jason, about go begin. Um, I, I love the the thought of in our, in our example, we've been live with success factors for a little over a year, but we were constantly evolving and determining what capabilities do we need to add? How do we need to improve? You know, what ATS, for example, do we want to swap out in the, in the future? So it's just a, it's a constant evolution and, and LeapGen is a great partner helping consult us. Well, thanks. You didn't need to say that, but thank you for, uh, thanks for calling that out. Sure. Um, Rebecca, I'm glad that the poll made you laugh. That's a good thing. That made you a little greener. Um, I, I don't know what the Swiss, what's the Swiss cheese thing? That's my Swiss cheese plant over here that she's talking about that's climbing up my wall. <laughs> oh, okay. Clearly, I don't have the uh, green thumb. Jess, your plant over there looks bare naked. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even want to know how much money I paid for a. <laughs> <laughs> but so, it's still there. <laughs> so, Jason, I'd love to hear, you know, you guys started with kind of an older system right and and moved now to success factors like what what was the deciding factor to move from an old system to a new system um you know and and one of the things a lot of people talk about today is business case um right. you know and what you know when you when you think about that how do, what was the business case and then i'd love um for you know rachel for you to talk about the change that had to go in and in, in making sure that business case is starting to be realized yeah we we actually didn't really even have an HRIS before, right? We just had uh, Oracle on-prem, which housed our financial, um, you know, and payroll. And we didn't have a way for our customers, internal customers to even look at employee data or do manager self-service or anything that kind of a modern HRS does. So we had to get, you know, into the modern times and, and switch from, very in, internally focused, only a certain um, number of folks being able to look at the HR data and, and do things with it to uh, making it available to all of our customer groups. Um, when you think about your industry and your workers, I mean, think about your workforce population and Rachel, this will get into the change a little bit, but you don't have a bunch of people sitting in an office behind desks, right? right. Right. Um, I don't know what your percentages are. It's about 50, 50 um, people actually, you know, working on a job site versus project managers, desk, desk employees. Okay. So do you think that most of them are using this tool today and how did you get people in the field or is that some, is that phase next to get to that point? So our office workers are all, I would say 95% are using success factors or, or have used it at some point. The other half of our employee population, they're using success factors mostly through the app, through their cell phone. And we are getting good utilization, but we're not where we want to be yet. Of that population, we're about 50%. So we're continually um, promoting the, the abilities of success factors, giving them access to their pay stubs, for example, directly there. And um, you know, we're, it's it's an evolution. We're trying to to increase that utilization. 
I mean, I'd love to, while Rachel talks about the change and how we got people to start to use the tool in the chat, you know, share some ideas as to how you got people to use tools, you know, like HR systems that, you know, that aren't necessarily the sexiest thing for your non-HR person to use. You know, how did you get people to use the tool, you know, when they weren't sitting, you know, in an office or when they knew their job wasn't HR? Put it in the chat. I'd love to hear it. But Rachel, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that change process that 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 McCarthy's been going through. Yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot of different ways that we went about doing this. Um, just to mention with the the job site workers, one thing that we did, you mentioned the payslips, Jason. Um, we McCarthy used to actually print out manual payslips for everyone. And then switching that into success factors was a big driver for us, saying if you want to view your payslip, here's how to do it on your phone. Um, a few other things that we really did was um, focused a lot on employee voice. Before we started the deployment, we went to people and said, what are you looking for? What do you want? And a lot of you, it was- You asked the employees what they wanted? <laughs> we did. We actually did. And we continued to do it all the way through. Um, a lot of the things we heard were really basic. Like, I would love to be able to view someone's cell phone number. Um, and it's that little stuff that really can make a huge impact. You know, like you mentioned in HR, sometimes we get really excited about the analytics and the the different sexy data that we can pull out of it. But a lot of the time, what your people want is pretty straightforward. Um, then throughout, while we were going through, we had change networks actually based on our different persona groups. Um, for instance, we knew our project admins were going to be really critical partners in this. They are the admins that sit on the job sites. And they're really that go between between the um, job site workers, what we call or what McCarthy calls craft workers and our salaried employees. Um, and by working with them, they were able to tell us, you know, they're not going to do this. The craft workers are not going to be able to do this or they're going to love this or they're not going to resonate with this. And so really having them as our liaisons and getting them really comfortable in the system was a really great way for us to not only empower that group and make them feel really confident, but also to get to that group that we can't necessarily talk to on a daily basis. I love Sarah's point here. Sorry, I know you're going to go back to, to Jason in a second. I love the point about viewing usage following internal comms. We don't think about comms as, a, as something you would, from an adoption and usage perspective, but why don't we? Marketers measure the impact of their message. Did it hit? Did it resonate? Did it have the intended effect? We should do that for internal comms as well. I love that point, Sabra. And Jason, when, you know, Rachel brought up change networks. Like, what is a change? What did a change network look like in your organization? And I, I only, I'm asking you this question because people say, "Oh, that's just consultant speak." I'm like, it's really not. Um, I wish every organization had change networks in place. It would make the dissemination of information a lot better. By the way, for those of you that want to connect with Jason, there's his LinkedIn. You can click Thank on you. the green button there and connect. But what is it? How did the change network work within McCarthy? Well. If Especially for this um, success factors project, you know, Leap Gen really helped us with, you know, our our plan both for training and for communication. And you know, Rachel mentioned personas and and who are our key target audiences, right? And that, that was really really important. The project uh, administrators, our power users that are either on a job site or not, and and that how do we connect with them? How do we communicate? and constantly communicate because our our folks on a job site are they're they're so busy building something to get them to think about anything else other than pouring that concrete or or you know swinging that hammer you just have to 
you, you have to know how to communicate to them, but it is, it is constant communication is really important for us. Do you see that question that came in from Cybra that says, has McCarthy done any user feedback surveys? Of course, yeah, pretty good. To get a baseline on user adoption. Yeah, good question. We, we did focus groups ahead of going with an HRS to help us determine you know, what our customers needed and you know, what, uh, what HRS to go with. We're still using focus groups to this day. Uh, how do we improve the system? You know, what new and different functionality do our customers look for? And we have our focus groups in different categories, um, you know, managers of people, individual contributors, project administrators, HR professionals. So that way we've got good feedback from a lot of different uh, employee types. Yeah, that's awesome. My, you know, my last question for both of you, and I, I know we're running out of time um, based on what we're trying to cram in here. And I don't want to steal your whole session either. Um, but uh, you know, how much the, our, the, our next guests are going to talk about service delivery and design? You know, how we design services. <clears throat> and I know that in the past, well, you just got a high five there from Sabra. I know mm -hmm. in the past that you guys, you know, your HR business partners did a lot of manual work. Um, when you think about putting in your new core HR system, how much did you change the design of what your HR people did and, and what they're doing today? Has that changed a lot or in the process of changing? It has changed some, and we are looking later this year to fully implement manager self-service. So that will definitely be a big impact. And, and a lot of our, our VPs and directors are asking for that as opposed to doing it you know, the old school way when somebody gets promoted and, and that whole process flow or hiring or offboarding. So fully utilizing success factors and the manager self-service will, will definitely uh, move the needle for us. Awesome, Rachel, you wanna add anything to that? No, I mean, I think that um, it just really comes back to the fact that a lot of the time when we do deployments, um, the system change is pretty straightforward a lot of the time. Um, learning the, how to navigate in success factors isn't necessarily the challenge. A lot of the time, it's that other stuff that comes along with that. Um, and so I, I have found a lot of clients are will underestimate their change because they see it as pretty straightforward, but they lose sight of some of those other aspects that come along with this. And then a lot of the time, the system gets blamed. They'll say success factors, I hate success factors or success factors doesn't work. And ultimately, it's because we didn't care for those other pieces. Um, so being just really intentional about the people side of change, I think, goes such a long way in these situations. No, that's awesome. Really well said. Thank you. Um, so Jason and Rachel, thank you so much for being on. Um, Jess, do you have any thoughts on John Mellencamp? Go for it. Uh, no, what are your thoughts? Like, are you I'm a neutral. fan? I'm neutral. Uh, I love hearing those stories about what's working, what's not working. Um, you know, out there in the field. Um, it's so exciting. And, and that whole concept, I think a lot of, we heard about marketing and change. A lot of HR departments don't have a lot of marketing and change people. So, yeah. um, you know, important to think about how does that fit into everything that uh, that goes on. So Jess. Who's next? Uh, let me get, let me get them on. Uh, next, we've got Mike Brennan and Krista. Perfect. So while I bring, well, I bring, Oh, Tracy just said that was her cousin's favorite song, and we listened to that 45 on repeat that summer. Wow, that's, that's a lot of memories. So while I bring them on, anything you want to say about Mike and Kristen and their session on service delivery? Uh, I'm actually going to go back to Mike's comment about 
good HR, what was it? Good HR is a lot of marketing. Part of great HR is great marketing. Okay. One of my biggest pet peeves. Hi, Mike. Hey, guys. One of my biggest pet peeves growing up in the talent acquisition side of this space was that we, rec- we do an amazing job of building employer brand, creating attraction strategies, recruiting talent, and then we stop brand, attraction, recruiting. We stop all of that goodness once they're ours. You actually need to flip your employer brand internal. You need to, you know, retention is recruiting too. You need to flip your attraction strategies to retention strategies. All of your external comms that look so amazing, all of that PR you do, you need to give that to your employees too. It drives me crazy that we don't treat our workforce like customers so, Mike, that's my soapbox in response to your comment. <laughs> so, Kristen, I think, is this your first time on? Yeah. Oh, my God, this is so awesome. <laughs> so, uh, why don't you introduce yourself real quick, and then you can pick your song, too. Oh, well, you know, I've been thinking about this since you asked Jason, so so I'm ready. I'm Kristen okay. Ravergan. Um, I am in Atlanta. It is not hot today, hence the, the cozy sweater. Oh, we, us in Minnesota, oh. we feel so bad for you. <laughs> Um, hopefully, you know, the nice, sunny, warm weather will be here soon upon us. Um, and I work in service delivery in HR Shared Services. And I'm so, so excited for Wednesday when I, and, and sorry, Mike, uh, but Dave Ruger, another uh, leader from LeapGen, get to talk about experience design and service delivery. But more importantly today, uh, my favorite song is uh, definitely from Credence. I am a big Credence Clearwater Revival fan. Nice. I really, any of them are amazing. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I've got. Great pick. I feel like that's you can just. Hey, put- I want. I that doesn't. I want to be. We need to be descri- Like, what's the name of a song? I, mm-hmm. I if I do it myself, you're not going to be happy. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, Fortunate Son is just okay, something it. that I love. Yeah, um, but so can you do me a favor for everyone that's on and talk about what is service delivery? Sure. Because so, I think that that's a an area that you know a lot of people don't even think about. They just say, "Hey, let's buy some new technology." Yeah. You know, and service delivery is kind of an afterthought. Um, service delivery—it's kind of buzzwordy. You know, everybody talks about it, and then it's like, "Oh, sure, sure, sure." What do you mean? So what we think about service delivery is really everything that enables the interactions between HR and the employees. So it's the structures, the people, the processes. And yes, you do pull in the technology there too, but it's really thinking through that that interaction experience. There you go. First time we're using it today, or at least in this conversation, um, as well as all of the work that you have to do to continue to optimize and innovate it. Um, And that's where I really, really love having this experience design conversation come into play, because I think all too often, just like Jess was just mentioning, we put that experience at the start as part of the preparation, Mm -hmm. as part of the go live, but we don't talk about how you actually enable and continue to optimize and innovate on the experience. And service delivery, which is the function where you're answering all the inquiries, you're helping to do the transactions. That's, That's the experience enabler, service delivery, that function. 
mm-hmm. and HR shared services and the like. Um, and so I'm really, really excited to talk with Dave about how you can truly embed and infuse experience de- design into your service delivery practices so that you can offer up an improved employee experience ongoing and also be an efficient HR workforce, have an efficient HR organization as well. It sounds really geeky. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a nerd. I, I mean, yeah. that. Yes. <laughs> no, I mean, it's really cool, but it's in a good way. Yeah. yeah. But I, you know, I think there's a lot of, and Mike, I'd love your thoughts on this. Yeah. And, you know, I know that Dave Ruger is presenting with Kristen, so I'm not even sure why you're here. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I'd love your thought. I'll ask you a question anyway. Like a lot of times people think of HR service delivery and technology separate. Mm-hmm. Um, and love your thoughts on the, the, you know, are there any pros to that? I know there's cons, but, you know, what are your, I'd love your take on that. Well, I think technology is the enabler of the service delivery, but it's also a, the enabler of experience, as Kristen alluded to. And one of the things I'm really looking forward to in, in this session, which uh, when we're working with customers, we really push is that great experiences, just as you were saying, Jason, it sounds really geeky. Sometimes when we're talking about experience design and being human centered, um, some skeptics think that that's a lot of fluff, um, but experience design should be the, the the foundation of your service delivery model. Mm. So one of the things that Dave and Kristen will be covering is um, really how delivering great service experiences can actually make HR more efficient. You know, there's less waste to manage when you're delivering service the right way through the right channel to the right people at the right time. Uh, so that's what I'm looking most forward to. Um, and I wouldn't, uh, while, I, while Jason referred to you as a, a geek, uh, or refer to what you said. I know we meant it in the in the the most affectionate and flattering way possible. No, no, no. I didn't call her a geek. I was just saying it sounds like it sounds like a lot of science and stuff like that. And yeah. you know, Kristen, I'm just curious. Like, you know, is this something that? I mean, if you look at this whole changing work, this whole world of changed work, and I don't know if you heard earlier, I was saying that. You know, maybe it's time to come to the office. Maybe it's not. Every day you pick up the press and you see a new CEO saying, or not, a, excuse me, you see a CEO saying, come to the office, don't, three days, two days. How's that impacting service delivery? And are there any organizations that actually have a, a correct service delivery model based on what's happened in work in the last two years? Because to me, I'm not sure how you could. No, I mean, a service delivery model should be fit to the organization and to your culture and to your people. And honestly, my opinion is that your experience with HR, your interactions with with HR, the experience shouldn't be dependent upon if you're in the office or if you're working from home or as one of our colleagues is doing right now, working from a different country. Like it should be an optimal and amazing experience or good experience at the very least no matter what, no matter where you are and no matter what your work style is. You know, it was great to hear from Jason talking about McCarthy's uh, employee population because you have to care for everybody. You can't just assume that people will have a computer in front of them when they want to go and ask HR a question. Um, Look at the, so Steve Lewis is trying to wrap. Not fluff, important stuff, never enough to implement off the cuff. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Uh, 
I'm not sure if he did that himself, but he just yeah. beat chat GPT for sure. This is what Steve has time to do now that he's retired. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I think when we go speak to his class uh, at the University of Minnesota, Jess, we're going to have to make sure we uh, have him do some rapping for us. Yeah, and bring a bot along. <laughs> um, Mike, when you think about um, kind of the this world of, I mean, let's just let's just go there since everyone's talking about AI, like what role, you know, and Kristen, I know on there are internal networks, you shared a great, which by the way, now I'm, it's on my, it's queued up to listen to, because I'd never heard of that podcast. So thank you for sharing that. But um, Mike, when, what do you see the role of AI in helping with, um, you know, service delivery? Because I think it's tremendous. And if you, if you, once again, if you haven't used ChatGPT, go in and ask, you know, hey, tell me about 401k for a single mom that's living alone, yeah. et cetera. And it gives you an amazing answer. Right. You know, pick whatever verbiage you want. But what do you see? I mean, how do you see that impacting service delivery going forward? I think that the great constant is um, really empowering people to get what they need when they need it. Um, so I know you talk a lot about augmented um, intelligence, Jason, and that's really what it's all about. How does how do these bots whether it's a chatbot or a bot behind the scenes that's curating for you, you know, based on your preferences, based on when you interact with different uh, communication channels, what you like to learn about and, and so forth, whether it's in our consumer lives or uh, in our work lives being served through a, a service delivery model. I, I really do think the role of bots is to truly make HR more effective and allow HR to do more effective consultation with uh, the business and really be there in those, as we like to say, moments that uh, moments that matter. So to me, that that's the the great constant. Whether we're talking about a chatbot or RPA and all types of intelligence in between. Krista, do you want to add anything to that? I think it you know it's it's another tool in the toolkit or quiver and their arrow in the quiver if you will if i got it i don't know i'm not ryan malchus analogies are not my I'm not <laughs> but um it's an opportunity for me as an employee to use the channel that i prefer right and going back to the conversation around if we're in office or if or i'm working remote yeah. i need to be able to get the information that i need in the way that i need it and so if it's ai-based chat or if it's human chat it's an opportunity for me to talk to somebody or something as opposed to necessarily just go searching. And if that's what I'm comfortable in the moment with, great. But then if there's an experience where I say, okay, no, I'm going to go and do a search and search for something on my own and find it, great. That should be enabled too. It really, again, to what Mike said, it's, it's the moments that matter and meeting people where they are. That's great. Thank I, you. I use this analogy all the time. If I asked Siri right now to give me the forecast, I would get the forecast. If I asked for my PTO balance, we'd be suffering. <laughs> it's not data that's available. This right. is what we're used to in our, right. in our everyday lives. Anything that's not that experience feels jarring. It, you know, it's friction. It's behind. It's not modern. Yeah. Below your expectations. Yeah. It's not, not working for me. Yeah. Well, Mike, just really quickly, I know you're doing another session next week also. You want to talk about that? Oh, boy. Um, yeah, I get to, uh, <laughs> I get to, <laughs> I get to spend, uh, I get to spend time with you, Jason. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we're, uh, we're bookending the, the fuel event, uh, starting with the, 
the opening, which is really about the the opportunity that you know presents itself. Um, you know, to me, the 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 constants and all competitive advantages. You know, Jason, you've known me for um, many many years and decades. I, yep. Yep. And I've been in this industry for almost 25 years and I started as an analyst and have spent most of my time in consulting since then. So I, I do like to start up here in terms of analyzing, you know, problems and trends and so forth, and then getting into the weeds to use the, the knowledge of my colleagues of the market and so forth to, to help drive solutions for, for customers, uh, in deploying strategies. Uh, but throughout that time, We've had a lot of twists, turns, ups, downs um, in terms of the the economy, the world. Uh, but the two constants in all competitive advantages are being good to people and being agile. Like those two things in my mind, I think of my career, uh, our industry over the past 20 plus years, those two things are more important than ever and will continue to, to be more important than ever. They'll be more important in 23 than they were in 22 and more important than 24 than in in 23. So we'll be you know, sneak peeking some of the, 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 um, the, what we'll be learning during the, the event, um, during that opening keynote. And I will say uh, I've had the, the privilege of uh, doing dry runs with a lot of the leapers, including Kristen, uh, and Dave, um, yesterday on what they'll be presenting. And I'm meeting with a, another uh, team, Harry and, and Sarah, Harry West and Sarah Mink from, from Leap 10. Uh, who'll be speaking on deployment readiness during the, the fuel event next week. And it's, I, I gotta say, one of my favorite jobs um, in my early 20s uh, was working as a, a waiter uh, for a, a catering business. And the thing I love most about it, really two things. One, the people. Two, was it really just opened up my palate. I was just trying all this new great food and, and so forth. Yeah. <laughs> song. We have a lot to get in and our, we have our next guests here. So they're, they're waiting in the back room. I was like, what am I going to do? Um, you know, and Mike is analytical, so he can be long winded. I didn't know how long that story was going to last. Um, <laughs> so thanks Mike uh, and Kristen for joining uh, our last group. Uh, we've got Dave Henschel and Sinead O'Connor. Oh, Sinead O'Connor. Oh my God. Sorry. I was doing way too much at one time. Now she's going to die laughing. At I get that a lot. <laughs> oh, O'Donnell. I don't even need to ask for your music now. I do tell the story that I'm trying to do too much stuff at one time, not turning red. But welcome. And Sinead, welcome. Thank you. Where are you joining us from today? I'm in my house in Denver, Colorado. Okay. Denver. And David? I am in Los Angeles, specifically Manhattan Beach, California. But on the occasion of talking about Vail Resorts, I had to put this on. Oh, oh nice. Very nice. Uh, so, I know you jumped in late. Uh, everyone that's been on, we've asked you to, we've asked them to t say what their favorite song was. Um, that would be your walkout music if you could choose a favorite song. So what would yours be? I don't know. I think right now um, I'm loving the uh, Miley Cyrus Flowers song. My 10-year-old daughter is treating it as a little bit of a girl power anthem. Um, and we've been listening to it uh, nonstop. So I'd say, yeah, that's my favorite song this week. Okay. I love it. Cool. Well, David, maybe you can talk a little about, um, you know, the session that you and Sinead are going to be doing next week, and then we'll jump into the uh, discussion about it. 
Yeah, I, so excited for Fuel next week, um, not just for our session, but but everybody else's. I mean, the, just the diversity of topics and I think the timeliness of everything we're talking about, where we are um, in the HR space and, and kind of in the economy and in our society today, there's just, there's so much, there's so much relevance. So first I just have to say, I'm really pumped um, to experience everything. Uh, so Sinead and I um, had the pleasure of working together. So Sinead um, is at Vail Resorts and she'll tell you a little bit more about that. Um, but we were, we've, we've done a number of pieces of work with Vail. Um, and this particular one was around a program that uh, the Vail had called New Direction. So uh, it's it's certainly no secret that in last last season, the 2021-22 season, um, Vail struggled. It was quite public. Um, they were they were challenged by many things, including the pandemic, um, not being able to hire enough, which was tied into the pandemic. Um, employee experience issues, customer experience issues. So we were brought in to help with the employee experience side of things. And New Direction, their program, is, is, was really to address all those employee experience challenges they were, were having, among other things. Uh, there, were also, it was also, there were also parts of it that were about the employee experience. So the challenge really that, that we had jointly was to um, how to kind of get the employee population aware of, um, bought into, on board, and excited for all of these very ambitious undertakings that, that Vail um, was committing to quite publicly on up to their CEO coming into this season. And so when Sinead and I were, were talking early on, we we're talking about, well, like, these things that we're proposing to do from a change standpoint, how do we know if they're going to work? Like, how can we, how can we raise our level of certainty that they're going to have the impact that, that we intend? And so that's where we decided that probably the best approach would be to stand up something called an experience council. So that's the focus of our fuel presentation. Experience um, council. Is that what you said? Experience council? I said experience council. So um, spoiler alert, one of we're going to have a poll question at Fuel saying, do you even know what the heck an employee or what an experience council is? I don't know that it's like a universal term. It sounds but... very political. <laughs> yes. I suppose. I suppose you could use it to help uh, help like diffuse the, the politics. But it's pretty simple. Um, and you're going to, you know, we've been talking about change networks. I think there are some overlaps there. But what an experience council is, it's really, um, it's a diverse representative group of employees um, could be drawn from the entire workforce. It could be drawn from subsets like leaders. And it's meant to provide some combination of strategic guidance, tactical feedback. Maybe it's even on like content and communications. And we used it for that at Vail, right, uh, Sinead? Um, you might use them to do things like conduct experience testing, um, which wasn't one of the things we do at Vail. We did at Vail, but something we often do with clients. And the idea is to make change stick. Um, that might be through improving your communications. That might be through getting product feedback. Last thing I'll say is that key difference with an experience council and say a change network is that an experience council is designed to be durable across projects and programs. So we don't just kind of stand it up. We didn't just stand it up for new directions. Like great, it served its purpose. On to the next. 
Um, it's designed to, it's a, it's a body of, you know, people, maybe they make a one year commitment and they're providing that feedback across programs and projects. And you, you'll have a you know, yeah. rotation of membership, but that's, that's the idea. So Sinead, how important is employee experience at Vail? Um, incredibly important. So um, we had a new CEO coming in um, at the beginning of win last winter, which turned out to be a very challenging season. She has articulated that that challenging season really crystallised for her what her leadership needed to be about, and that was our frontline employees. We fell short last season um, in delivering on their EVP um, and, um, you know, it really then informed the $175 million investment that we made in the New Direction program. The key challenge for us in implementing several initiatives that sat under the New Direction program that we wanted to have live and impactful before the beginning of this season was how do we ensure we design um, with, like, with our employees rather than for them mm -hmm. and make um, mistakes or assumptions in the design without incorporating their input into both the design and the launch of the initiatives. We had to think about our populations quite differently. Um, we have frontline employees, we have corporate employees, um, and one of the initiatives for corporate employees was an, um, going fully remote. Um, our initiatives for our frontline employees, as you can imagine, were very different focus. Mm -hmm. um, and so we ended up setting up three what we called experience councils, uh, frontline, corporate, and leadership, and we had them consult on very different um, levels of strategy, different design milestones, and different launch milestones. Um, and they were incredibly important. We had to do <laughs> quite a bit of rework at times based on the feedback and the input that they gave us, but the end product was something that they had co-authored with us, um, and that was incredibly um, important. And um, I will say the program has largely been um, a, a huge success. You know, Sinead, one of the things for me, you know, and Dave also, is that it seems to be that, like, you have a short window to do this. Like, how do you end a ski season? which, you know, I'm in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where the ski season ends in June. And then basically it starts snowing again in August. No, it's not quite that bad. But you have a really, you have a short window to make changes, right? Yeah, not only do we have a short window to make changes, but we don't have the luxury of time with our employees to embed change. Um, a large percentage of our workforce is seasonal. So they go away for the summer and then they come back and we have to ramp and onboard them um, in a, a couple of weeks and have them fully productive and onboarded with all the changes that have happened over the summer. And it's one of our greatest challenges, which is why it's really incredibly important to design um, with the employee experience and a human-centred focus. Um, I would say in the past, we've taken a much more um, efficiency or scaled approach that serves the needs of our HR function or other functions and not incorporated the point of view of our employees in the design in the way that we did this season. Um, so yeah, it, we have to move fast. We have to make decisions fast and we have to have a method, a method to engage our employees quickly and get their um, point of view in a really agile um, way so that we can make the pivots that we need to make and, and move forward and get everything launched ahead of the winter season. And one of the things I think that's interesting is that this wasn't really about technology. 
a lot of people say, oh, this is only about change management tied to technology. This actually, there wasn't really that much new technology. No, we made the decision that we did need to invest in technology over the long term. And we have a multi-year roadmap in place to begin that full um, systems transformation. All of the initiatives that we embarked upon this season were EVP um, compensation um, and experience initiatives um, with some um, very focused process changes implemented in the hiring process um, to attract our talent that we needed to fully staff our resorts this season. Um, so, yeah, it was very much design um, and focus on what do you need for next season was essentially the call. Um, and uh, we couldn't have done it without them. Yeah. I love the investment you're talking about, feeling invested in change on their behalf. I think when it comes to change, we often feel it's something that happens to us. We don't have a sense of control, let alone input. And when you're invested in it and you're brought along, you're part of the transformation for your own benefit. I think that sets the stage for, a, for a, number one, sustained change. Yeah, exactly. And part of this process was rebuilding trust um, yeah. with the employees who had had a, you know, a genuinely really challenging season. Yeah. Um, and so us announcing the initiatives um, was one step in the right direction. Um, our ability to deliver on them with our focus on our frontline employees was where the trust was gained. And you see that um, in our continuous listening data um, from year over year data from January till now has steadily improved. And much of that is to do with not just the announcements we made in March, but how we actually delivered on them. Um, this season. And, and I so, think that's a really key point, Janine, is that a lot of people make an announcement, but then don't actually deliver. Mm -hmm. Right. You've actually right. delivered. And, you know, just really quickly, I'd love to hear how you're measuring the impact. Um, I know you're going to talk about this in your session, so I don't want to give too much away. We only have a minute, but just real <laughs> quick, what are your thoughts? I don't want to give it, I don't want to give you the hook like I just did. My <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we're measuring them in many ways. Um, I just mentioned our continuous listening surveys. That's a key component of it. Um, it's also like the, the 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 raw data, like how many people did we fill our resorts with? Are we fully staffed? Um, are they engaged? Uh, what is their intent to return next season? Um, those types of data points are what we're using um, to measure, you know, are we really meeting the mark here? And we're doing retrospectives right now um, with our experienced council members to determine, okay, what worked, what didn't work, and what are we going to tackle next season? Um, so, yeah, it's a combination of data, of using our experienced councils and their feedback, and then um, like, did we meet the objectives that we needed to meet? Did we staff our resorts, for example, um, which we did? Awesome. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah. Dave, anything you want to add to that as a preview for next week? No, I, well, I think, you know, if anything, like that's, that's really the compelling piece is that this really moved the needle for Vail, um, that, that experienced councils aren't a, um, just, just a, a nice to have or a way to, to say that you've listened. Even that's been a big theme today, right? On this, mm -hmm. on this meetup is, is employee listening, but there's, in this case, um, I'm really excited for people to see the data that Sinead's going to show of how of the impact um, that the experience councils had. 
Yeah, and I think I would finish with it's it's taking a human approach rather than your process play. And that's the real difference um, that we've taken this year versus previous years when we've um, run similar type initiatives. Sinead, thank you so much for being on and all of your support and all of the work that we've been able to do together. And Dave, thanks for leading a lot of that work. I really, really appreciate it. I just had to sit here. You did all that production, Jason. Are you ready to like? <laughs> next week we're doing it again. Next week I'm doing the. Uh, uh, next week I'm doing it from uh, Minneapolis one day and then Boston the next day. So, uh, yeah, we'll do it all. We'll do it all again. But uh, I hope everyone enjoyed that. Great to hear um, such amazing stories from organizations that have been successful, really changing the world of work. And um, you know, I hope some of you went from yellow to a little bit greener. Knowing that, uh, you know, all of the work that we do, we as a community, really do change the impact of work and the impact on community. So, Jess? Amazing. Hang Amazing. in there. Yeah, thank you. Too legit to quit. Too L to quit, right? Too legit to quit. Yes. Okay. Yes. Thank you, everybody. Have Everyone an amazing Have a great weekend. weekend. We'll see you early next week, of course, and again next Friday. We'll see you at Fuel. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.